Welcome everyone to Foothills Christian Church. I'm so glad you are here today on Resurrection Celebration. It's very exciting. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm I'm jazzed. This is a uh, if you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here today. If you're watching for the first time online, we are so glad that you're doing so at Church at Home. And we're just a church, a community of people that are focused on Jesus, and we are hoping that you will get to know him, you'll grow closer to him, that your faith becomes strong, and that you can start to understand and figure out what your life is all about. Now, today that seems to be so much more challenging than it used to be, and I was kind of thinking about that. That is, is that, is it harder to figure out life today because uh, the way we were raised? You know, did they used to raise us one way and now people are raised different? Well, there's definitely a lot of different technology and you got the interwebs and you got all this access, but is that what makes life so hard to figure out today? Or maybe it's money. Maybe it's a lack of money or too much money. Maybe it's too many options, not enough options. Or it could be our society. You know, our society seems to make finding love and staying in love so much harder than it ever used to be. Is it our politics? You know, our, have our politics always been this way? And is that what makes life so hard to figure out? Now, I don't know about you, but whenever there's a really tough question out there, I simply Google it. That's what I do. And so that got me to thinking is that, you know, in these big life questions, we could ask Google, but what if Jesus was in an office like Google and we could just go and ask him about the things that make life so difficult and how to figure it out? I wonder what that would look like. Hmm. Who would you like to ask your question to today? Google or Jesus? Jesus. Go on in. What is this strange red dot in my head? Well, there's a 95% chance that it's a cutaneous melanomic melanoma. It's very aggressive, extremely rare, and you only have four months to live. I'm gonna die. I'm not ready. I can't believe it's the rarest form of aggressive melanoma. No, that's just as it. But I think you're beautiful no matter what. Aw. How do I measure the volume of sphere? You should really ask your parents to help you with your homework. Hey Google, how do you measure the volume of a sphere? Yeah. I gotta quit doing that. Is who up a sport? Uh, is, is what a what? Can owls walk? Can owls walk? Okay, to drink expired milk? No! What happens if drink expired milk? Why did you even ask me? I need to know how to live a great life. This is the Bible, you can you can read that. Buddhism, that's all about expectations. Hindu, it's an endless cycle of reincarnation. A lot of devotion involved. We've got Islam, six pillars of faith. 
You could also do atheism, I guess. There's not a lot in here, but uh, good luck with that. We also have Kabbalah. Doesn't really matter where you start reading. None of it makes sense anyways. Finally, there's hedonism, all about pleasure, which means there's a lot of pictures. Jesus, I need this promotion. I need a new car. I need to win the lottery. And I need this vacation giveaway that I applied for. Okay, I'll talk to you later. No, I don't think that's what you really need. And she's gone. Is Earth flat? I have one million results that say it's not flat. And one result that says it is. I knew it! Go for Jesus. Another person using my name in vain. Gotta quit doing that. Clogging up the lines. Hey Google, uh, I'm pretty disappointed with my life. This is a little pick-me-up, and uh, this is to balance things out once you're up, and then uh, this is to keep the highs not so high and the lows not so low, and this is uh, to help you think a little more clearly. These are just something a little fun for you. Okay, what, what are those? Shock therapy, just in case. Are you feeling better? What can I do for you? I need to understand the point and the purpose in my life. Why am I here? Is there a meaning to it all? I'm not thirsty. Oh yes you are. You're thirsty in your soul. And if you drink the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. Give it up for those guys. They did a great job. <laughs> so if you had a chance to ask Jesus about your life and why is life so tough to figure out, what would he say? I know Marcus is thinking that. Marcus is a D1 athlete at a major university, and he's a redshirt junior. He's worked his way up to varsity. He's a starter. And he came from a situation that wasn't so great. He struggled, you know, uh, lots of siblings, single mom, and his athleticism was kind of their ticket out of that lifestyle. And now that he's there, and now that he's got uh, this opportunity, his dreams have come true, he feels like, though, the pressure is just making him crack. Inside, he's, part of him just wants to get on a bus, a train, or a plane and fly somewhere and just disappear and never come back. There's Emmy. She's a mom. She got uh, married in her late 20s and started a family. And now in her mid-30s, she has three kids. And she made a vow when she had kids is that she was going to do it different. Her parents stayed together, but her father was an alcoholic. And that created some unhealthy stuff in the way they were raised. And so she said, I'm going to do it different. And so now she is working so hard to be a really good mom, but she feels completely overwhelmed. She feels like her life is unraveling and these big, long bouts of depression and anger. She's unhappy with her husband when she knows it's not his fault. It's just really unraveling for her. And then there's Juanita. She is the child of second-generation immigrants, grew up in America, and her dad was a laborer, just a real kind of a gentle-souled guy, kind of quiet. 
Her mother was just a, just a lovely young lady, uh, and she grew up, unfortunately, she looked more like her dad than her mom. And so when she went to middle school, she uh, was kind of going through all these changes, hormonal changes, and stuff like that. She had a lot of struggles about this, a lot of pressure. She didn't fit any of society's models of what, you know, pretty young girls look like. And so uh, she was really struggling with that. She went to see a counselor, and the counselor said, well, I think your problem is, is that you're actually a guy trapped in a girl's body. And so that has put her on a trajectory that has really caused her life in so many ways to unravel. And so what would Jesus say? What would he say to Winita? What would he say to Emmy uh, and being a mom? What would he say to Marcus? And what would he ultimately say to you? So what we're going to do is we're going to study a story in the gospel according to John chapter 11 about Lazarus. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, that's fine. We're glad you're here today. I just want you to know there's two sections. There's an Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament is the Old Covenant, and this is everything that happened before Jesus came. So we don't live under the Old Covenant. We live under the New Covenant, which is the New Testament, and it's all about Jesus. And there's 27 books. It's a library of books, 27 of them. And the first four books in the library are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and guess who wrote those books? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are biographies on the life of Jesus. So we're in that fourth book, The Gospel According to John. And this is a story of Jesus and some really good friends. I'll set it up before we jump in there in verse 17. What happened is Jesus was traveling around. He started his ministry, and he's healing people. And he comes across uh, Mary. He meets Mary, and then he meets Mary's sister Martha, and then he meets their brother Lazarus. And they kind of become really good friends. And so anytime Jesus is traveling through Bethany where they lived, he would stop and stay with them. Well, Lazarus gets really sick. They think he might die. And so they send word to Jesus, Jesus, please come. Lazarus, the one you really love, your good friend, your BFF, he's really sick. Well, Jesus waits a couple of days before he goes, and we're going to pick up when he finally arrives at Bethany in verse 17. Now, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Lazarus ended up dying. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Now, this is very common in that culture, and that is, is that when somebody close passed away, people would come, they would stay with you for a week or longer, they'd bring food, and they just comfort you in this process. Now, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. So before he gets into town, she kind of walks out to meet him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, the Jews had this belief, and that was is that history will eventually end. And at the end of history, 
all the Jewish people will be raised up by the Messiah in bodily form. So that's what she's referencing. But then Jesus says something that basically says, no, I'm talking about something different. And this is what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, well, they followed after her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Are you hearing a recurring theme here? Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, and he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then this is the shortest verse in the New Testament, the whole Bible, actually. Jesus wept. And it's a renowned, not for its shortness, but because of its content. Here you have God who became man in the incarnation, Jesus who could heal the blind, heal, heal the sick, the paralytic, he could make walk. He walked on water. He knew who he was. He had more focus, more purpose, more mission, more courage, more confidence than any other human being on the face of the earth. And in the midst of all this death, he wept. It says, then the Jews said, see how he loved him, meaning Lazarus. But some of them said, listen to this, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? They say it again. So Jesus, once more deeply moved, he comes to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man said, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been in there for four days. Even if you're going to do a great sermon illustration, this is not a good idea. Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you've always heard me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here so that they may believe that it is you who sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, this story has a lot to say to you and me. And the question is, can we hear what it is he wants to say to you and to me today? So let's kind of follow the track of what's going through this story. The first thing is this, and that is everyone wondered why Jesus didn't show up. We heard it 
mentioned three times, first by Martha, then by Mary, and then by the people. What does that have to do with you, and what does that have to do with me? Well, we're trying to figure out life. And in the process of figuring out life, maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in college, maybe you're, maybe you're you know, it's in your 20s when you're starting your career, maybe it's later. At some point, life just kind of trips up, goes off the rails, something bad happens because life is really difficult. And there's lots of things that can go wrong. And so what we do is we kind of entertain in that moment the idea of Jesus, right? Maybe we heard about Jesus. So in a moment when there's some tragedy or something bad happens, things are terrible at work, a relationship falls apart, something tragic happens to a child, uh, you wonder why you're still single and 36 or whatever may be the case. And you turn to Jesus and you think, well, I'm not really good at this, you know, but I hear you're God and forgiving and all that stuff. But so you ask Jesus. You say, Jesus, can you help me fix this problem? Or you say, hey, Jesus, could you give me a clear answer? I don't know. I should take that job or go to that university or do this. Or you say, Jesus, I really, would you heal my mom? This family will fall apart if my mom dies from this cancer. So you entertain the Jesus you, that is around, you ask him, and guess what? He doesn't show up. So now you're thinking, wow, maybe he isn't there. Or something even worse, if he is there, and he is God, and he has the power to do something about it, well, he must not care about my issues, because he's not showing up. He's obviously not concerned about my problems, because he's just not showing up. He must not really care about me. Well, let's look at the second thing this story says. And it says numerous times that Jesus was moved deeply. When he was there and he saw that his friend Lazarus was dead, what death had done to him, what death had done to his friend Mary, what death had done to Martha, what death had done to all the people there that were mourning with her. And Jesus was deeply moved. He was concerned. He, they even said, see how much he loved him. Well, that's kind of neat, but boy, that makes me even more confused if I'm trying to figure out life. And that is, I turn to Jesus, he doesn't show up, and I think, well, maybe he doesn't care. But now I see in the story, he really cares. But isn't that a little more confusing? Because if Jesus has the power to do something about what's going on in my life, and he cares really, really deeply about my life, then why doesn't he show up? Why isn't he there? Martha asked that question, and you know what Jesus said? Something really interesting. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. You see, Jesus answers her question by saying, I am the resurrection, and then he goes on to prove it. What I find so interesting about this is what it actually has to say to me and to you. And that's this, you were meant to live. You were meant to be alive. You know this in the way your life plays out. When good things go good, how do you feel? 
They're kind of happy. This is awesome. And when bad things go bad, what do you do? Oh, man, I need so much less of that. Well, where does the whole notion that good and bad things can happen in life come from? Something within your soul that longs for good things. See, you were meant to be alive, and the way we live, the way we face each day, reveals what's really going on in our souls that we know deep down that we were meant to be alive. And Jesus is answering the question, why am I not showing up in every situation in your life like you want? Well, maybe I know something about you that you don't know about yourself. And we see it in this story right here. If Jesus had something to say to you, this is what he'd say. I'm not trying to be provocative. I'm not trying to offend people. I just want to be really clear what Jesus is saying when he said, I am the resurrection. You see, what he's saying is, I am the resurrection. You do not resurrect things that are alive. Things that are alive, you tend to leave alone. You only resurrect what? Things that are dead. Jesus is saying, the reason why life is so hard to figure out, the reason why I'm not showing up in the way you want is because you're dead and you don't know it. You're dead. I'm not trying to be provocative. I'm just trying to be clear on what Jesus is saying to us. Marcus is under so much pressure in his life, he feels his life unraveling, even though his dreams are coming true, and he doesn't know how to deal with their hand or, because deep down he doesn't realize he's dead. See, he thinks he's alive. This is what society has told him. Oh, this is real living. And then he starts to get it, and what's happening? It's crushing him. Emmy is wondering why she feels the way she's doing, or the reason why she worked so hard to make things right, and now it's basically unraveling her psyche as a mom, is because she's dead. She's dead, and she doesn't really know that. Society says, oh, oh, man, you're fine, you're great. Juanita is just trying to make herself alive. She's trying to find an answer by changing the outside. But the, the real question is on the inside. She's dead and she doesn't know it. See, we're dead because we live in a culture of death. And we don't even know it. See, we walk around, we think, oh, we got everything. We're so wealthy. We're so well off. We got air conditioning and we got Bose stereos in our car, man. Those are. But all that is, that is a distraction for the fact that our souls are dead and we don't know it. We think we're alive, but we're really not because our culture of death is sucking the life out of our soul. Many, many years ago, I worked at a uh, funeral home, and boy, there's a lot of interesting stories there. I used to tell them years and years and years ago. Maybe I'll take a lap around that track again and tell you some of those stories. But one of the things that was really interesting is when people would die, uh, uh, I'd have to call. Part of my job was I would call and I would say, hey, you know, I'd call an ambulance to go down, pick up the hospital, would call. And the hospital always called and said, yeah, they're in room 222. So I was thinking, man, if you're ever in the hospital, do not go to room 222. Say, if you're a patient, do not put me in that room. But uh, we go pick them up, and they bring them back. And what they would do is they would embalm the body. You know, they'd embalm the body, and that, they'd put a fluid in there that maintained the color of the skin and kept it. It's like a preservative, kept it from decaying. 
And then what they would do is they would bring clothes and they bring makeup and they bring a hair person and they would put makeup on them and they do up their hair. And what they did is they spent two or three days making it look like the dead person wasn't dead. That's the culture you live in. So no wonder we're dead and we don't know it. And, and in our deadness, we look to God and we say, okay, time to show up. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And you're like, uh, stop changing the subject, Jesus, because uh, this is my issue that I'm dealing with right now. Can you kind of get back on track? The main point of what he's saying to us is this, is that the reason why life is so hard to figure out is because we are living in a culture of death and we are dead, and we don't even know it. I'm not talking about our economy. I'm not talking about our politics. I'm not talking about our mass media and, or any other thing. What I'm talking about is our souls, our spirit. And this is why the resurrection is so important. It's so critical because what we're doing is we're not celebrating an event in the past that happened and was really, really cool, and you look back on it and hope people don't forget. Like the guys down there, you know, at the regional uh, place with the uh, WW2 hats on, you know, and they're, they talk about, yeah, during WW2, we really gave it to them Germans, didn't we? And we all remember that, and they go, too bad all those young whippersnappers don't remember that anymore. A lot of people think that's what you do. That's why you go to church once a year because, oh, yeah, I've got to remember that thing that happened all, and that was really cool. I think. I can't remember. But what we don't realize is that that's not what we're celebrating. What we are celebrating right now is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he is taking dead things and making them new right here, right now, in this place, and in your life. That's what we're celebrating. And that's why it's so important is because we have to face the fact that we were dead and we need to be made alive. You wonder why things aren't going right in your marriage sometimes or you're not on the right track? Maybe it's because you need to be made alive. Two people that are dead can't fix a bad marriage. It's not going to happen. Are you wondering about your kids and, you know, uh, maybe they're teenagers and you're wondering about the track they're on and how are they going to navigate this world with all the crazy stuff our society is telling them to do right now? Well, you're not going to navigate it very well if you're dead because your compass don't work when you're dead. There's no north. See, I go on and on, but I think you get the picture. And the thing is, is that right here, right now, in this day, you're here for a reason to hear what Jesus has to say to you. And that is, is if you're dead, it's time for you to start living. If you're dead, it's time for you to come alive. And you can't come alive until you realize that I am the resurrection. Only I can bring you back to life to make a dead thing living again. That's the gospel. That's who Jesus is, and that's what he did, and that's what we celebrate. Maybe it's time for you to say to yourself, I need that. Well, we thought of a way to help you take a step, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the room. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to even give your name or your blood type or social security number. All you got to do is text FH next step to that number. 
And options will come up. Maybe how to re-engage your faith after a pandemic and get it growing again. Maybe it's about how to discover Jesus for the first time in your life and start your journey with him. Maybe it's a situation of how do I pray through this and discover what God has to say to me and speak into this moment. But the ultimate question right now is, am I dead and do I need to come back to life? On Friday, on Friday, Peter was denying, and Mary, she was crying. The apostles had scattered and were running, and Satan, he was laughing. On Saturday, a stone was sitting, a soldier standing, Satan winning, and hope was dying. But then on Sunday, that stone was rolling, the apostles were now running, Mary was believing, and the soldiers were hiding, and the angels were shining, the women proclaiming, and Peter, he was shouting, and everyone following began believing and were finally understanding that when Jesus said, I am the resurrection, they were now able to be living. So today is the timing, and when the stone is rolling, and when you think you're smelling, but it's your name that he is calling, because Sunday isn't coming, Sunday is here, right here, right now, and Jesus is calling, and it's your name that he's saying. So if you're going to start hearing what he's saying, maybe it's time to come out and start living. Amen. What amazing news! If you'd like to know more, please download our booklet, How to Connect with Jesus. The short booklet gives you a step-by-step -step process to pursue a relationship with Jesus. If you feel motivated to make a decision now or have pressing prayer requests or questions, please find a staff member at the front of the auditorium. And of course, please join us next week. We'd love to see you again.